think everything is possible. We all have it in us um, to do whatever is the dream, is the kind of path for us. I never ever will take no for an answer. I always think um, there's a way to make things happen, um, even if it all looks very impossible. I, I think the way I lead my life is you follow your heart, do what you think is right, and the rest will always follow. Hi. And welcome to Unlimited, the Dubai-based podcast platform that tells the story of remarkable women to inspire, engage, and drive growth. I'm your host, Daniela Rossi, and with our new series, Unlimited Women's Brands, we'll take you on a journey to discover female entrepreneurs who have developed independent brands on a local and global scale with a unique vision, ethos, and point of difference. For this new episode of Unlimited Women's Brands, we're excited to welcome the highly commended PR leader, Natasha Hathrol Show. Tash is the founder of Tishtash, an award-winning Dubai-based marketing and communication agency regarded as one of the most sought-after and respected independent agency in the Middle East. Born and educated in the UK, Tash holds a PhD in psychology and marketing and has a genuine passion for people which translates into her managerial side and in everything she does in life and at work for her team and for her clients, as we're just about to find out. Hi, Tash, and welcome to Unlimited. How do you do? Oh, thank you so much for having me today. So I love all the work you're doing um, here in the region to raise profiles of amazing women. So I'm very, very uh, flattered to be invited today. <laughs> well, it was overly due, right? We met uh, nearly a year ago. And I remember being in, uh, in your office, it was nearly Christmas, there was a beautiful Christmas tree, obviously color coordinated with um, the interior design of your brand new office, because yes, it was the midst of the pandemic uh, when most of the, uh, the, the businesses uh, were suffering and uh, downsizing, instead you were expanding. How was it possible? I mean, I think like everybody, when it obviously COVID hit and the lockdown, you know, I mean, I admit I, I did cry on my carpet for the first two weeks, you know, thinking that we saw 80% of our clients pause or cancel contracts because marketing is always the first thing that, you know, gets paused during any downturn. And I think everyone, no one knew what the future was going to hold. So everyone just panicked and just pause contracts. So yes, I did have that moment where I, uh, you know, when we were all at home thinking, you know, of nearly, you know, nine years of work at the time, and I was going to go bankrupt, like I think most of us. Um, as it turns out, I kind of keep joking now, who knew I was so made for a crisis? Kind of think, you know, I got myself off the carpet. And um, I think for me, whilst obviously looking after my team was the most important thing, and that was throughout what we, you know, the my way I run my business is definitely always team first. Um, so, but making sure, obviously, Polly, my MD, who's amazing, you know, between us, we were making sure the team were okay because we're all going through personal things. You know, husbands were losing jobs. So it wasn't just the work side of things. We were all dealing with so much. Um, and then I just had this overwhelming desire that I wanted to do something. I knew all the other marketing communications agencies. And so I knew that I was in a really, really good position to do something. And so after a little bit of thought, I created the SME Rise Collective, which was basically bringing together um, all the marketing communications agencies and freelancers um, to offer PR and marketing support to SMEs in the region to help get them through COVID. 
for me, I found it was some doing something positive and something very community focused that really, really helped get me through a very, very difficult time. I think we all deal with things in different ways. And for me, my kind of go-to is always to, I think if I'm doing things for other people or kind of like, you know, that makes me feel better. Kind of, I was just like, if I could help one person, that's great. And then more and more people kept getting involved. And I think we um, ended it kind of January this year, eventually, but we helped over 300 SMEs with marketing and PR support and some for some of them it was they had no e-commerce website and we got them an e-commerce website so they could still trade in COVID for others it was obviously they had no social media or they didn't know anything about paid social need to run adverts to generate leads and you know it was whatever we gave companies what they applied that they needed at the time to help them get through and so yeah so that was kind of I think on the one side we did you know we worked in the community very heavily we, um, you know, we were very visible. One of the things I said to all my clients was, even if your business is shut during COVID, you don't go silent. You have to still be visible and, and find a way to relate to your customers. And so that advice I gave to all my customers or clients, and I obviously, I followed the advice myself as well, you know, so we did SME Rise Collective. Then we ended up doing Stay Home with Tish Tash, which was, we thought we'd put on a few, like, you know, when, when we all still liked Zoom still, and we were all kind of, you know, it was new. We started with a few sessions, you know, we did an exercise class, we did a cookery class, and then it kind of grew and grew and grew. And we ended up, I think we did over 2,000 sessions in the end. It went on for like two months. Um, so we, we very much focused on people in the community and that you know, our profile was very, very high. It wasn't done from a place of, you know, I'm going to do this and my visibility is going to be high. It was just like, what can we do right now to at least add a bit of positivity and do something in the community? And I think on the flip side from my day-to-day actual business, uh, we specialize in beauty, health and wellness. And over the years, a lot of people have always said to me, is it a wise thing to specialize in beauty, health and wellness? Because it's a bit niche, you know, you're never going to make much money because, you know, you're, you're blocking out loads of potential clients. And I was always like, you know, for me, it's, it's my background. It's what I love. And I do genuinely feel that if you do follow your heart and what you love, then the rest will follow. So for nearly nine years, obviously, I've been running a niche specialist agency. And then obviously, when COVID hit, what did everyone want? Everyone wanted health and wellness. And, um, you know, a lot of my clients um, were brands such as Kibson's, who obviously fed the whole country during um, COVID. So um, all of a sudden, yeah, everyone wanted skincare. Everyone was using all the tools. Uh, we had a lot of like other health and um, cleaning companies. We had medical companies. Mental health, obviously, is a massive, massive thing. And Lighthouse Arabia is one of my clients. So a lot of my existing clients were very, very active and very um, like sought after during um, the pandemic. And then obviously, as a result, we ended up, um, you know, a lot more companies in that space also wanted PR help. So I think two things, really. I think the nature of what my business was and people in those kind of areas that were really important during COVID wanted visibility. And also, you know, we did focus on the people and community. So, yes, we ended up um, we had our um, best year yet last year. We grew 50%. Um, you know, we didn't make any redundancies in COVID. And, um, you know, now today I'm sitting here and our team has gone from 18 um, at the start of lockdown to 34. Um, we're just about to open our next office in Saudi Arabia. And um, in Q1 next year, we'll follow with another in the UK. So, um, we, yeah, we really have had quite an interesting journey and uh, who knew that COVID would be our time? 
impressive. Congratulations. When, when we say that um, challenges can be seen as opportunities, right? <laughs> That's certainly... Totally, totally. <laughs> you mentioned a few times, obviously, people's first and team first, right? And uh, we all are aware as well how it's important to know our target audience talking about people, right? And I love in particular what you state on your website. We know the storylines that connect to your audiences because we are your target audiences, which says a lot about um, your very unique, uh, fiercely female team. How do you select your team members? So we are um, a completely female team, uh, 34 amazing women. Um, this wasn't done on purpose. I do say that kind of a lot of people said, oh, you know, are you a man hater? Are you kind of, you know, where does this come from? I don't know. It just ended up by the nature of what we do, be it from feminine hygiene products to lipstick to, you know, it, it is quite a feminine area. And so genuinely, like most guys don't want to come and work for us. You know, it is, you know, there are some amazing communications professionals that are guys. But yeah, do they want to come and talk about period pants or uh, the latest kind of, you know, highlighter? They don't really. So I said it wasn't done by intentionally. But then as things went on, I think for me, I'm very, very passionate about supporting the female business community. And I'm very, very passionate about supporting women in business. And the reality is we still don't have an equal seat at the table. As we know, salaries still aren't equal. Um, You know, if you look at, I mean, recently I talk about, um, there was, um, I think, the top like communications and marketing professionals in the Middle East, um, a big, um, thick book was um, published. There was 50 and there was no men in it. I mean, there was no women in it. And it caused quite a lot of controversy in our industry because there was still, uh, in the major global, and in the major sort of big corporations, there was like no women or none that were happy to be featured in a guide featuring the most kind of high profile marketing and communications professionals. So I think for me, I believe in obviously, you know, equality and I'm you know very passionate about everyone getting the best out of their careers. But I feel I'm in a position where women don't have an equal seat in the table. I am very well placed in terms of the industry that I work in and the business that I work in to be able to really champion that. And I think, as we know, in COVID, that's also set back women in business. Who were the ones that were homeschooling? Who were the ones that were having to like make decisions to maybe that, you know, okay, I'm going to have to take some time off work to homeschool. A lot of the industries women worked in were those that were severely affected by COVID. And so COVID's further set women back on their kind of mission for equality, true equality. And so I've ended up with a team of 34 amazing women I now champion an all-female workplace um, because I think it's really, really important. Um, We we have true flexibility. We have four-and-a-half-day working week. Half of my team are working mums. A lot of them, they'll come in when they do the school drop-off, then they'll leave and go and pick the kids up, and some will come back after that. Others will work from home in the afternoon. Every person has an individual schedule agreed on basis of what works for their life and what enables them to have a career and also have a family. There's so much talk about being able to have it all. And obviously that's something I could say a great deal on, but I do think we should be able to have a go at having it all and have the best possible chance. For me, I really wanted to provide an environment where women have the best chance of, you know, having an amazing career, having a family, trying to have it all. 
And we, we're very, very passionate about um, advocating for that as part of what we do. And also showing that you can have 34 women in um, one office. And, you know, the first thing people say when they come in is what a great atmosphere and what a great vibe there is in the office. 34 women doesn't need to be bitchy. It doesn't need to be catty. You know, it is actually... Um, you know, it, it's very, very empowering. Everyone's got each other's backs. And, okay, you know, so we call it the Tish Tash family. And, okay, you know, maybe that sounds a bit twee, but genuinely we have each other's back. And I think that is really, really important. I think I wanted to create an environment that I wanted to come into every day. You know, I'd had horrendous work experiences. I had bosses that used to throw stuff at me. I wanted to make it so I wanted to walk in every day and then everybody else would too. It's not perfect. I'm still learning things, you know, as we grow. Growth is quite a tricky time. but yeah, I, I know I've said quite a lot there, but um, I do feel very, very passionate about this. And, and I really, really want to be able to play a bigger role in the region and champion this wider. Beautiful. Also, because I believe that uh, Tishtash family goes uh, way beyond uh, the office walls, right? And uh, if we deep dive even more into the world of Tishtash, or we'll see that also the clients that you carefully select are predominantly female-founded businesses. So do you see any common um, thread on the working culture and uh, the business approach of female-owned or female-managed companies? You mentioned Kipsons, you you mentioned a few of them. Yeah, um, I think the target audience of our clients is predominantly female. And yes, a, a lot of our clients are female too. We do have some male clients. I think I'm very... I think it obviously it does come from the nature of the products and services for sure. But I think as well, um, I carefully select who I work with. I'm grateful that I'm in a position where I can do that. When I meet people and when Polly, my MD, meet people, you know, it's like, do we want to work with these people? Are they like us? Do they share the same values? And, I, and we turn away so much business. And being honest, we do fire a lot of clients quite early on relationships because, you know, their values and the way that they believe in working and treating my team isn't as I feel it should be. Um, so I think I do very carefully select people that, Um, you know, have very, very similar values, leading from a place of kindness, empowerment, um, empathy, all those kind of things. And yes, they are very traditionally female-focused leadership skills, um, but I think it's more from that place rather than actually um, it just necessarily being purely sort of female as such. Um, I just try and choose people that I want to um, be around. Nice, nice. And you've been in marketing. So you've been around, you've been in marketing, media and PR for 20 years, first in UK, then in Abu Dhabi, and in the last 10 years with uh, with your own Tishtash. What are the major changes that you witnessed uh, in, the, in the industry, in, in, in your sector? I joke now to my team, you know, I miss the days where I used to um, fax a press release out. Uh, the kind of technology definitely has changed. Even, you know, when I used to have to sit and print press kits for every single person you know so they're kind of like even at the basic things you know it's a very very different industry so technology um you know now we don't print anything we don't uh put anything on a usb even anymore so definitely digitization in terms of the way we actually work day to day but also obviously there was no influences when i started 20 odd years ago i mean and I, i kind of love them or hate them they are obviously a really really important uh, touch point in marketing communications now and when done well can be amazing um as with everything there's you know a few people which kind of create a bad name for a whole industry 
Um, but definitely that's a whole other terrain we've all had to get to grips with. Whilst, you know, I've had you know, over 20 years in the industry, the reality is probably it was like eight so eight years ago, really, or that we started to see a real um, surge in terms of influences here in the region. And, you know, I'm learning that as fast as my team are learning that it's changing so rapidly. I mean, I, I'm a real magazine girl. I kind of was very lucky that I worked with the likes of L'Oreal in the UK. And I've spent a lot of my career in print and I, and I love print. For me still now, I will, um, a magazine is like a real escapism. And I will, yeah, one thing I'd love is sit there with a red magazine and a cup of tea. That's my idea of heaven. Um, but I feel, so I feel very sad to see the demise in print. I still believe, particularly in our region, we're actually still launching titles, I think, because um, there is such a demand for it in terms of the luxury market here. Um, but obviously, there has been a lot of decline in print, too. And when you see the circulations going down as well, it is sad. Um, but I think it is just the changing media landscape is one that we have to keep up to date with all the time. So I think that's kind of really is kind of in terms of the media we have access to. Yeah, it is uh, just a very, very different from it was 20 years ago. But how, you know, when I, talk with my old wisdom to my team these days you know I'm always like kind of saying like you know ultimately this the same principles of marketing communications kind of you know remain like focusing on your target audience and things making so like I think if you've got the, the basics and you understand how it works and it really is just channel selection and looking at kind of what the best thing is for your client yeah but was it your love for print that brought you to launch uh, into um, a new venture, right, into publishing, uh, not uh, a physical print from what I know, so a, me- a digital print, uh, but uh, it was just in July that you launched Ramona magazine, again, at a time when publishing industry wasn't exactly flourishing. So would you tell us about it? So we announced in July and we launched in September, uh, Ramona.com, and it is meant to be a platform for all things like honest conversation, real women. Um, I feel, you know, I mean, as I said, you know, there's some amazing magazines and I love, you know, flicking through your Vogue, Harper's, Emirates Woman, like magazines like that, as well as the international magazines. But I still feel there was a real gap for, you know, the kind of conversations that we're all having with our girlfriends. And, you know, we don't always like to talk openly about. So I, I felt there was a real gap for some hard hitting, honest chat and conversations that for women um and there was a real kind of you know gap for that um we as we only launched in september um but our you know even in terms of obviously our traffic and where we're going it's um well above kind of what even like you know we, we've got all the benchmarks for kind of global kind of on what the titles look for and we're, we're tracking way above that um the response has been amazing um, and I genuinely, every day, it's one of those things I do when I sit into bed at night, I, um, you know, I have an editor and an assistant working on it and I, I write quite a bit of content too, but I don't know what's going up day to day. So I sit there and you know, I get into bed at the end of the day and I'll have a look through and see what's been written. And I feel proud of what we're achieving. And, you know, you, you look at kind of the amount of time people are spending on every article and it's very um, you know, it, 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 if people are really staying and reading, um, you know, and, and I kind of, so I, I definitely think we are, um, are onto, a, onto the right thing there, as I always felt we should be. Um, and so, yeah, we, we hopefully, obviously, um, online is the way forward. So we're definitely, our focus is there, but we are looking at, um, hopefully being asked to do a couple of maybe a biannual, um, print edition as well or something next year. So we will see how, what happens. Oh, I'd love to, um, Love to see the first um, unedited <laughs> manuscript. <laughs> exactly. Uh, talking about digital. 
And I know that you're quite into uh, writing yourself, as you said. What part does the social media play in your professional life, but also in your personal life? Yeah, well, something else a little bit extraordinary that happened to me in COVID um, is that I, um, I think it was during the same time I was crying on the carpet, I think, that I... Uh, I had a bit of a meltdown rant on Instagram um, just about the reality of surviving a business during COVID. Um, and I, I think I just wrote on an Instagram story, just maybe about three different stories. It's like having a complete meltdown. And then I kind of like woke up, I think the next day to like a crazy, crazy response to kind of all these people who are in a very similar situation or even employees who were like, you know, this is very interesting. Um, and so then I, I think it was almost like a bit of therapy, you know, journaling is good, for, you know, as part of that. And so I, uh, yeah, started writing my daily diary called the COVID diary. So it definitely has been a bit therapeutic, but it also is kind of, um, I've used it as a way, like with everything that I'm doing about having open and honest conversation. Um, you know, we need to be, in my view, we need to be a bit more real. Um, you know, we're all a bit too filtered in terms of what we put on our social media, in terms of what we, you know, share how we show ourselves. And I think that has a very, very negative impact on mental health as well. I think it's really, really important that we have the conversations that we're probably all having, right? We're all, everyone's just doing their best to kind of get by and just, so I think it's very, um, you know, it's important that we, we keep it real. And I definitely have done that. I mean, some of the things that I've kind of written about I've kind of thought is that a bit too should I have said that but I thought no I kind of committed to saying it how it should be the last year I won best blogger in the Middle East congratulations which obviously was was amazing but at the same time I kind of like in the position I am owning a PR agency you know the irony wasn't lost on me and next uh in well no 10 days the um I'm nominated again for the same award so will I win it for a second year let's see so for me I love writing it's a therapy I'm working on my own book I'm about 22 chapters in as well which is about the Middle East marketing and PR world I read your column also on um, Arabian business you always write uh, from your heart I see that you're really genuine in everything you write even if it's on a a professional uh, portal and I remember in particular one article that you wrote about uh, your journey with IVF. And I'd like to mention it here because uh, very often um, our guest speakers are um, businesswomen, female entrepreneurs, and mothers. And the talk is about how motherhood has impacted in your professional journey. Well, at times is uh, uh, not being able to go through uh, motherhood somehow. So would you mind sharing with us a p- part of this journey and how these uh, affected your professional journey, but in particular, why you decided, because I believe that that was a very brave move uh, and symbolic decision to write about it on a professional platform, as if it was uh, LinkedIn as opposed to Instagram, for instance. Yeah. I I, want to talk about the things that, you know, we need to talk about. Um, And I think the reality is now, I think it's like one in four of us will struggle to have a family. Oh, I think one in four will have a miscarriage. My journey started, our daughter died at birth three, nearly three years ago now. So that kind of started my journey into the reality of obviously struggling to have a family. And then I became very, very involved in a lot of groups. Um, and you know, accidentally, again, I think it's it's so common and people don't talk out about these things um you know even you know the reality of having a miscarriage and still trying to carry on at work now in total i've had 10 miscarriages and a stillborn child and 
been standing at events hosting and having a miscarriage and I've had to stand there and smile and I'm lucky that the editor of Arabian Business he's very very um, passionate about mental health and he wants to talk about as well the things we don't talk about and I think there are so many women that are going through fertility or losses or and men as well obviously it doesn't just affect the woman having gone through like six rounds of IVF which is people I had no idea how it would completely dominate my life and all my mornings were taken out of my work and things like that and I think I'm in a position where I own the company and I can do that but like I often think if that wasn't the case and I was working for somebody else in a senior role or in any role in a company would I have bosses or would I have managers who would get that and allow me to be on that journey with the flexibility that's required so I chose to write about it honestly from a viewpoint that even if it helped one company HR team or one manager be a bit more understanding or a bit more flexible about um, trying to have a family, you know, when it's not always so easy. And the feedback I got from the article was really quite amazing. And I did have that kind of, you know, thinking, is this too personal to share on, on one of our leading business websites? But I don't think it was. It is the conversations we need to have. It's only going to become much more of a reality for people. Absolutely, absolutely. Even because it's, uh, uh, I believe, of um, this week uh, that uh, the the government has extended the maternity leave, maternity and paternity leave. Other uh, governments just rule out in favor of uh, um, leaves after miscarriages, etc. So this kind of conversation can then have an impact uh, not only on the on the people, which is at the end, it's always our uh, main main focus, but also in the in the laws that can help them to support. The, the people. So I would say, what advice do you have for those that are going through any uh, p- particular challenge and might not have that uh, um, courage to open up uh, at work? How can it help to open up at work? Or on the other side, can it uh, feel uh, at times intimidating? Yeah, I mean, an example that came to me recently is um, I w- I've always been very, you know, with, with my team, I'm always very open, honest and transparent. And I have every week on a Tuesday, I have a one-on-one with everybody in my team. And that's one of the things I say to everybody, you know, when they say, what is one of your secrets to success or, you know, uh, leading well? I, th- I say is everybody having access to me and my MD every week. I get a very early grip on everything. You know, they all come in with their cup of tea and we sit there, we talk about work, we talk about personal life. We have a really just nice cuppa and we just connect. And I think, you know, so I have very, very early, I can tell, I know everybody well enough to know if there's anything wrong or I can get a sense of that. And so to me, it's like, that's me committing to having those, um, you know, having those conversations. Um, so one of the conversations that came out during that, even though I'm very, very approachable, is, um, you know, that one of my team ended up having some mental health issues um, and ended up um, having to take medication And, you know, for her, there was that feeling of I'm never going to be, you know, taking medication was the biggest failure possible. And that is, I think, definitely a stigma that we still have today. Um, And so, you know, and I had to say to her, like, you know, do you how do you when you look at me, how do you look at me? And you think, do you think I'm a failure? And then she was very much like, no, 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 you're my role model. You know, and I was like, well, you know, but I've been medicated like now for like four years. I mean, I know this is internally, and maybe my company is a little bit different to others, and I'll get onto that. But, you know, I think even if 
people realize that they're not alone and they are, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, or even mental health, I think it doesn't mean you're afraid. You think about all of some of the most successful people in, you know, you look at your Elon Musk's and even like, you know, they, they, they have very, very open, um, you know, challenges with their mental health. It's really important that if we feel able to that as soon as we have an honest conversation things change you know you can go from sitting there feeling very alone to actually you know maybe having a bit more understanding now I know that not every company is like mine and I know that kind of so I think you need to make a judgment anyone in that position needs to make a judgment can I have that conversation with my line manager can I have that conversation with my HR team so I know that not everyone is just going to be able to go in and say you know what they might need to say but I think if you think if you feel your instinct is that okay I, I you know I would like to be honest about this and I want to have a conversation internally with what you know I definitely think you should because I think there is so much more acceptance of mental health uh, you know we've all been through the toughest 18 months two years nearly of our lives so I think now is the time where we can all be a bit more honest about you know life um you know and even for example if you don't feel you can at work I think um you know I'm I'm a big passionate advocate for mental health and obviously you're seeking therapy and I think if you get someone to help you with the tools outside of work then that can make you obviously deal with it better internally as well and even down to things like journaling I know obviously I turn to writing that's something for me it's important but journal get your thoughts down on paper every day I think that really really helps there's lots of different support groups even even Facebook groups like for IVF or for depression and things like that so just, I think, just don't be alone, really. Um, find your support where you can. And I believe that the more role people like you open up and show their um, face as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, but as a, as, as a woman, the more you'd be encouraging not only team members to open up, but also more leaders to, to follow your wonderful example. But I have to ask you what I call normally our paramount question. So what does unlimited mean to you? I think everything is possible. We all have it in us um, to do whatever is the dream, is the kind of path for us. I never, ever will take no for an answer. I always think um, there's a way to make things happen, um, even if it all looks very impossible. I, I think the way I lead my life is you follow your heart, you do what you think is right, and the rest will always follow. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Tash. Thank you for joining us on Unlimited and thank you for sharing once again your personal and professional journey with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure too. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed discovering the person, the story and the vision behind the brand. Now it's your turn. We'd love to hear from you. Please share your comments or questions on our social media pages on Instagram at unlimited.me and LinkedIn at Unlimited Platform. And don't forget to leave a review. Best in last, if you'd love to share your story, please connect with us on our website, www.unlimited.me. We're always on the hunt for inspiring stories of unlimited women. And you could be the next one.